0: And welcome back to Circling Seattle Sports on Converge Media. Of course, as always, I am your host here with you, Charles Hammaker, uh, here at the Black Media Matter Studios. It is the end of the month of July. uh, And, you know, I say it throughout the spring and throughout the summer, things continue to roll, especially uh, now with the fact that Seahawks training camp is currently underway, uh, bringing good news and not so good news. So, Getting into all of that, we'll get straight into our Seahawks part of the segment, which has kind of been missing uh, for a good amount of time outside of pieces of news here and there. Uh, Starting off with July 26, we're getting right into the injury-related news, which isn't great if you know how the show goes. Um, The team placed six players on the physically unable to perform list or the pup list, if you abbreviate it, uh, starting with safety Jamal Adams, who, uh, if you are unaware of his previous or i guess more recent injury uh it was a torn quadriceps tendon uh, he does have a chance to be ready for the start of the season inside linebacker jordan brooks also has a chance to be ready for the start of the season uh tearing his acl last season uh titan noah fant nose tackle austin Faolu, uh, nose tackle brian monet uh Torres ACL last year as well but he will likely miss some time during the course of this upcoming season uh, and then cornerback uh, Tariq Woolen had knee surgery this past uh, well this current well no I guess technically this past offseason uh, had a knee surgery uh, as it had a kind of freak accident walking off the field uh, in offseason workouts with the Seahawks so he isn't expected to miss a ton of time uh, as his recovery has already been taking place. And then also that same day on the 26th, uh, the team put nose tackle Jonah Tavai, uh, on the active slash non football injury list. So, so not great news to start off training camp, but considering the injuries that these players suffered, it makes sense uh, that they were put on the pup list to begin training camp uh, on the 30th. Uh, I know we just mentioned his name, but the team activated tight end Noah Fant off the physically unable to perform list to get his season going. And Noah Fant really has a sort of big season ahead of him. He is in a contract year after the Seahawks picked up his fifth year option this past season uh, after his four year rookie contract that the Broncos originally gave him after drafting him 20th overall in the first round of the 2019 NFL draft. Uh wore off. So a big year for Noah Fant. He did deal with a knee injury towards the end of the regular season last year and did uh, next to nothing in the team's wild card loss to the 49ers this past year. Uh and you know, big young physical tight end, uh, who is gonna try to earn himself a new contract. I mean, his option is pretty big, uh, about six point eight million dollars. Him and Will Disley helped the Seahawks tight end room, uh, move into third place in the NFL in terms of how much money the Seahawks have spent across the league in term, well, related to the league in terms of their tight end room. They pay their tight ends the third most, uh, their tight end room, that is. So that's, that's an interesting fact if you know how much the Seahawks tight ends are used. Uh, also, not so great news in terms of the injury list. Uh, on the 30th, it was announced that running backs Kenneth Walker III and Zach Charbonnet both are missing time at training camp walker the third has a minor groin strain he's being held out currently as a precaution so that injury doesn't get any worse and then charbonnet the rookie out of ucla uh is dealing with a shoulder injury he is out indefinitely now what that means is an unspecified period of time i know that some people see the word indefinitely and they freak out but uh Pete Carroll, head coach Pete Carroll, and the team said that they want to do it. The current moment is really look at that, get more tests on it, and see what they're looking at with that shoulder injury uh, before they proceed with it and cause any sort of further damage. So that's the injury part of it, the sort of uh, not-so-great stuff. I mean, it's nothing that's too... Uh, knock on wood, nothing too scary at the moment, but obviously things that need to be worked on, taken care of, uh, sort of overseen for the Seahawks before they get some of these players into action or any workout really at all. So those two running back injuries do actually open up uh, the running back room. You know, I know that in the past few years, we don't like seeing injuries to running backs because that's a lot of what the Seahawks have dealt with but young running back uh, out of Georgia pardon me and i not Alabama Georgia Kenny McIntosh is so great speed and great cutting ability uh, in training camp so far it has impressed a lot of people with his tape so who knows I mean I know that he was a really late draft pick for the Seahawks and there's a lot of determination for him to kind of show out uh, so hey maybe Kenny McIntosh backs onto the backs on uh, bursts onto the field so Moving over to team-related notes as we continue with the training camp, pre-training camp uh, sort of news here. On the 24th, uh, two days before training camp started, the team signed outside linebacker slash pass rusher Uchenna Nwosu to a three-year, $59 million extension. It includes $32 million guaranteed with a $15 million signing bonus. And the way that his contract works actually created $2.91 million in salary cap space this season. Uh, for a few other things to go on, so some some work there. The Seahawks extend a young linebacker uh, in his twenties, get him a, a guy that tied for the team lead in sacks last year with Daryl Taylor, and was really a one of the team's most consistent performers last year. Whether that was you know tackles for loss, disrupting plays, uh, you know getting to the quarterback, something that the Seahawks have desperately needed in their past few years. They lock up uh, Uchenna after you know what would have been his last year in his contract. After uh, signing a two-year deal, uh, two year deal two off seasons ago. So, good, smart move to get Nuosu you know, lock him up there and and someone that's been a key performer for the Seahawks team. Uh, so to go and get that done was really smart there. Some other sort of related news uh, team notes here uh, is it's training camp. There's going to be a lot of roster moves players at the Seahawks we want to bring the training camp and take a look at, kick the tires on uh, and give a chance. You know, competition is a big thing, obviously with Pete Carroll and this, this Seahawks organization on the 25th, before I get into more of those team related notes, uh, and what roster moves? I almost said wa- w- waiver moves. Uh, on the 25th, the team restructured free safety Quandre Diggs' contract to convert his 2023 salary into a bonus, uh, which does help move up some salary cap space there. And it's funny because Diggs himself tweeted about it. If you follow Quandre Diggs on Twitter, you know that he is someone who will break news himself. He was uh, actually the first to tweet about the Bobby Wagner deal uh, this past offseason. Well, yeah, so that was kind of fun. Uh, also on the twenty fifth, the team did sign running back Zach Charbonnet to his four year rookie deal with six thousand six million eight hundred seventy six thousand and seventy nine dollars, with a two million dollar seven hundred eighty four two million seven hundred eighty four dollar signing bonus. Then we get into the roster moves, making all sorts of space for training camp. Here, the team. On the 25th, waived defensive back James Campbell and Isaiah Dunn, in addition to outside linebacker Alton Robinson. Now, Robinson was an interesting name to see cut, considering that he never really saw a consistent amount of playing time for the Seahawks. He dealt with injuries uh, and just it didn't work out. For Seattle at this current point in time, I wouldn't put it out of the realm of possibility that he gets brought back at some point in training camp or maybe even on the team's practice squad. But right now, uh, the corresponding move to that was signing defensive tackle Roderick Perry. Uh, So that ends the current roster moves and we get over to the NFL top 100 list. Now, if you don't know, the NFL top 100 list is a list compiled every year right before the next season starts reflecting on the past season. uh, And it's put together and voted on by players around the the nfl uh so it's their opinion on it a lot of people have their respective thoughts on it and that's fine you know it's not it's tough to really look at these lists and put too much stock into it considering that some players don't see certain guys all the time uh, and they don't know that their talent level and it's not necessarily a good evaluator of skill production what have you so we get here, This the NFL release, they just missed the top 100. And there are three Seahawks in that list uh, at 110 free safety Quandre Diggs, 102 inside linebacker Jordan Brooks, and pictured on your screen there, 101 wide receiver DK Metcalf. Now, there was some interesting commentary on this because you could certainly argue that both Metcalf and Diggs should both be in the top 100 list, but again, not the best uh, sort of way to evaluate talent production, etc. Uh, even former SEAC cornerback DJ Reed left a uh, tweet about this, saying that any list that um, <laughs> doesn't have DK and Quandre in the top 100 isn't valid. So hard to disagree with that. Uh, but we get into the actual top 100. The rest of the list is still currently being unveiled. So this isn't a finalized list. There will probably be... I hope so. A few more safeties. I mean, a few more players on this list for the Seahawks. Uh, so the current players that have been unveiled already uh, in the top 100 are at 77 quarterback Geno Smith, his first time in the NFL's top 100 list after a career year with Seattle. Uh, at 76, quarterback Tariq Woolen, who burst onto the scene as a rookie and tied for the league lead in interceptions, which is a wild stat in and of itself. And then at 62, he wasn't wearing a Seahawks jersey uh, during this past season, but he is now, and he's back. Uh, At 62, inside linebacker Bobby Wagner uh, is the most recent Seahawk to be named to that list that is being currently unveiled, so we'll probably get some more for you um, when we come back next week. But that is it for the current point in time. We get back into the sort of roster-related moves as the Seahawks continue, as I said, to work out this training camp roster. They're going to give guys uh, a chance and see what they've got you know competition again it's always a big thing with this seahawks team on the 26th the team signed outside linebacker levi bell cornerback andrew whittaker and cornerback chris Steele, uh, while waving nose tackle jonah tavai with that non-football injury designation as we talked about when we got into the injury related news uh, a familiar face was brought back as i've voice crack a little bit there on the 27th the team signed linebacker ben burkirvan the former university of washington standout uh, who's was dealing with some injuries in his career potentially thought that he might retire uh has been signed by the seahawks so he gets a chance there uh the seahawks kind of looking for more outside linebackers and the fact that jordan brooks is going to be out i know devin bush has been with the team now so uh the linebacker spot outside of bobby wagner uh inside linebacker at least and then outside of Chana Nwosu, and the fact that this team needs more pass rush in general, uh, there's spots to be had there at the linebacker position. So maybe Ben Kurvin shows out. There's a little bit undersized, quote unquote, for a linebacker. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if he's able to make any sort of splash to earn himself a spot on the Week One roster. Uh, on the twenty eighth, this isn't roster related. Uh, quarterback Geno Smith declined an offer to appear on the Netflix show "Quarterback," uh, the season two of it. So, I mean, I understand it. It would have been maybe interesting to see a little bit look uh, in the genome and sort of the the behind-the-scenes stuff, but it makes sense, probably wants to avoid any sort of distraction, uh, like some players don't like having hard knocks, which the Jets will be on this year. Also, that day, the team signed cornerback Devin Witherspoon to his rookie deal. He became the last rookie in this entire draft class uh, to sign his deal. It's a four-year, fully guaranteed $31.86 million deal with a $20.17 million signing bonus. So, Good amount of money for the number five overall pick in this year's draft. They get a cornerback who they imagine will start uh, for them immediately to sign his deal. And after missing the first few days of training camp, he's back with the team and getting workouts. And also that day on the 28th, as I mentioned, roster moves. The team signed a UW running back, at least last year uh, at UW. He did transfer in from the University of Virginia, Wayne Tulapapa. Uh, to a deal and waived cornerback Montre Braswell. So that is it for Seahawks related news as they continue training camp. Training camp will continue through the next few weeks. A uh, preseason games don't start till August 10th. So we'll get to that. Uh, but I imagine that we'll see more roster related moves and things of that nature. Uh, and hopefully some of those players that were on the pup list will get activated uh, by the time we see you again. So we head over straight into Mariners related news as Things continue tomorrow is the MLB trade deadline. So things are going to get interesting around here, I'm sure. Um, we'll get into the games, though, before we discuss any sort of tr- uh, yeah trade deadline acquisitions and such. Um, the Mariners headed out on a six-game road trip in seven days after a 10-game homestand, uh, beginning with the Minnesota Twins, a Twins team that they saw for four games uh, during that. 10 game homestand. So uh, they've played that team seven games in 10 days, I believe it was. So a lot of time to see a certain team. Anyway, they head over to the state of great lakes, Uh, July 24th at the twins, a three to four loss. Unfortunately, player of the game, pinch hitter slash second baseman, Colton Wong, Wong had a one hit one run and two RBI's a pinch hit. Go ahead. Homer in the top of the ninth inning actually gave the Mariners a three to two lead at the time. Seattle was unable uh, to close the deal in the bottom of the ninth and then failed to score an extra innings to lose that game uh, as Carlos Correa walked that off. So they lose the series opener. But on the 25th, they come back with a nine to seven win uh, play the game center fielder Julio Rodriguez. Julio got bumped down lower in the order in this ball game, and he responded with a two hit two run three RBI game. Both of those home runs, uh, it is his first multi-homer game of the season. So Julio responding there and really starting to turn things up. We'll get to that in a minute, but we'll finish out this series against the Twins. July 26th at the Twins, an 8-7 to win. So the Mariners win their second consecutive series. Uh beating the Twins in Minnesota. A twins team that had been the hottest team uh, wins-wise since the all-star break. Our player of the game short shot, Dylan Moore. Dylan Moore slots in for JP Crawford who got the day off, hitting three hit, getting three hits, pardon me, hitting three hits just doesn't sound right. Two runs and four RBIs. It's Moore's first multi-homer game of his career. Uh, and it really looked like at this point in time the Demo was starting to find his groove after missing all of spring training and really struggling uh, in the first month, really, uh, that he had been activated off the injury list. So they win that series against the Twins after losing the first game. They get a day off as they head down to Arizona to play this Diamondbacks team that's got a lot of talent. They're really young, including uh, Seattle native Native excuse me, an all-star Corbin Carroll. Uh, so we go over to this Diamondback series here. Excuse me again. Uh, July 28th at the D-backs, a 5-2 to win, so they begin the series the right way. Uh, our player of the game, catcher Cal Raleigh. Cal, two hits, one run, and two RBIs on the day. Uh, so they get game one of the series. They lose game two, unfortunately, in a tight one. Uh, Corbin Carroll actually represented the winning run in the bottom of the eighth, stealing a base while well, he advance on a bock first after drawing a walk, stole third base, uh, and then it would advance on a bloop single in the center field. So Corbin Carroll uh, terrorizing on the base path. Our player of the game here, catcher Tom Murphy, one hit, one run, and two RBIs. Tom has a solo homer, uh, and he gets that second RBI on a sack fly. So they lose that one. I mean, it's it's so you lose by one run to this Diamondbacks team that surprised a lot of people. I don't think that's... uh, a disappointing thing necessarily disappointing in the way you lost it sure but understandable that you would lose one game to them they bounced back on july 30th to win the series their third consecutive series win uh a four and oh four to nothing win uh as they shut out this diamondbacks team as our player of the game starting pitcher luis castillo is rock solid la piedra six innings pitched two hits given up no runs one walk and seven strikeouts it's his 12th quality start of the season so he continues to be valuable for this Mariners team uh, as the ace of the Mariners here and in this ball game actually after there was a period of time leading into the All-Star break where Luis kind of struggled uh Castillo was able to narrow his ERA down to 2.88, which is the third best in the American League. So, uh, I mean, it was a good stretch here. The Mariners recorded double-digit hits in five consecutive games. It's the most consecutive 10-plus hit games for the Mariners all season. They improved to a 500-series record, meaning that they are 16-16-2 across the series that they have played this year. It was their 10th shutout of the season, uh, and they, as I mentioned, had won three consecutive series. Our player of the past week, there are plenty of good options. Tom Murphy has been hitting the ball well, uh, really finding his groove. Dylan Moore had been really productive out, uh, until he uh, is now day to day at the moment. JP Crawford has a great OPS over the past week, but we went with Julio considering his overall stats. Um, you know, Julio and JP were really kind of neck and neck, but because of the total amount of stats that we saw with Julio I went with Julio over the past seven days for the 2022 al rookie of the year 10 hits, 7 runs, 3 doubles, 3 homers, so 6 total extra base hits, 4 RBIs, 1 stolen base, a 345 batting average, a 367 on base percentage, which could be improved, but still. A 759 slugging, which is great to see from a guy who shows a lot of power uh, and been struggling a lot. There's still some things for him to work on, surely. Uh, and a 1.126 OPS for Julio there. Really good to see that sort of improvement from Julio after he had struggled to begin the season kind of fighting and groove here. There's still some moments where he needs to improve. He's had nine plate appearances in the ninth inning uh, and six of those plate appearances have ended in strikeouts. I don't believe any of them have recorded a hit. So an area for him to improve there certainly, but the Mariners are in a very interesting situation. We talked about this last week uh, about you know th- that series win against the Blue Jays. Was it enough? Did they need a series sweep uh, of the Blue Jays considering where the Blue Jays are in the wildcard picture and where the Mariners are So the marriage are going to need a little help if they're going to get to the postseason, right? And they got that yesterday. Yesterday went perfect for them in terms of who lost and where they ended up and the fact that they won as well. The Mariners are currently set at five games behind the Texas Rangers for the division. So technically, the division is still somehow in play here uh, for a Mariners team that has been arguably the most mediocre in terms of win-loss and when they've been at 500 over the course of this uh, season. And they are four games behind a wildcard spot. So it's very realistic, uh, well, not very realistic, but it's very possible rather that the Mariners are going to be able to find themselves in the playoff picture. That leaves them in an interesting situation now because President of Baseball Operations Jerry Dipoto said before this Diamondback series that they just won that they aren't going to make a decision on what they're going to do at the trade deadline until after the Diamondback series. It is now after that Diamondback series, and you know, considering the fact that they won that series, and uh where they are in terms of the division um where they are in terms of the wild card where they are in terms of what they need being a buying team at the trade deadline makes sense you could argue also argue uh that you'd like to retool and reload for the 2024 season considering the fact that other opponents in your division like Texas uh adding Max Scherzer at the trade deadline uh well ahead of it uh the Astros adding the angels adding that, hey, you could do that. You could kind of bow your head out and say, hey, we're going to reload. We're going to do a light sell-off and we're going to prep for 2024. But at least me, maybe I'm stubborn. I know I'm stubborn, but we'll say maybe just for the show. I'd like to buy. I'd like to buy at the trade, trade deadline. That is tomorrow at 3 p.m. Pacific time. The Mariners do play a game three hours and 40 minutes later uh, after that trade deadline expires. So it's going to be an interesting next few days, folks. The Mariners are playing the Boston Red Sox. these next few days in a odd three game homestand, uh, and the Red Sox are one of the teams that the Mariners are trying to get ahead of in terms of this wild card race. The Red Sox are in that highly competitive American League East. Um, as we get the wild card standings to load here, they won't load. I'll just put them on life. Okay, there they go. So. Uh, yeah, Boston is actually the first team looking out, looking into the playoff picture uh, as the Rays, Astros, and Blue Jays are the three current teams that sit in the wild card. The next three teams out are Boston, New York, and LA. I apologize. The Mariners are four and a half games out of the wild card. Um, so you've got those teams to get over. So if you are able to win this series or uh, the greatest scenario, uh, sweep the Red Sox, which. It won't be easy. I mean, eh, they're five and five over the last 10 games, lost their last two. I digress. Um, that would be huge. You kind of need to win the series no matter what, uh, let alone sweep it. So it'll be really big. Uh, but just to get a final prediction out there of what I think the Mariners will do with the trade line, I think they stay pat. I honestly think they stay pat. Uh, I don't know what. Jerry DePoto and Justin Halder can do in the marriage for office to really get a, a improving bat to add to this lineup without sacrificing too much. Emerson Hancock is a name that comes to mind when, in terms of trades, but, uh, Hey, we've seen crazier things happen. We were live on air when Eugenio Suarez and Jesse Winker were acquired. So who knows? Um, We get over here to continue with actual team news and not to just stray off. Uh, On the 26th, the team did make a trade. They traded for reliever Trent Thornton from the Toronto Blue Jays. Seattle receives Thornton. He was DFA'd a few days before this trade as the Blue Jays made room for Genesis Cabrera. Uh, And Toronto receives Tacoma infielder Mason McCoy. So... Kind of a non-move there. Trent Thornton actually made his first appearance for the organization last night, pitching in one uh, one inning of relief for the Rainiers uh, and striking out two batters, not recording any other stats. No hits allowed, no runs allowed, no walks, just two strikeouts. So that's a good way uh, to get your first sort of impression there for the organization. Uh, And the Mariners have dealt with injuries to their pitching staff regardless. So not a bad idea to add a reliever there but again it's going to be a big trade deadline as a big next two days uh the mariners sit at a 55 win 51 loss record they're four games above 500 which is great they're fourth in the american league west though five games back from the division as i'm well we'll take a look that they're they're four and a half games back from the wild card will be make sh- yeah five and a half games back from the division so still possible um Looking ahead, they have a three-game set here against the Boston Red Sox. We already stated the importance of this series. Uh, the first two games of the series on July 20, uh, 31st and August 1st are both 6.40 p.m. Pacific time start. Uh, with August 2nd, the rubber mat, well, the series finale on Wednesday is a 110 Pacific time matinee. After the really tiny three-game homestand, the Mariners head out on the road to battle an Angels team that's decided that they're not going to trade Shohei Otani and they're rather buying now to try and win this season. They have four games set down in Anaheim. Uh, the first two games of the series on the 3rd and 4th of August are 6.30 p.m. Pacific time first pitches. August 5th and game three is a 6.07, and then to close out on Sunday, August 6th, is a 1.07 p.m. Pacific time start. So move over here. To our Storm, who had struggled. They were on a 10-game losing streak uh, this past week, but they were able to snap that. They're on a two-game winning streak right now, which is really nice. Um, We'll get to the not-so-great part. July 25th at the Liberty. The Storm battle all game long against the Liberty team that they have played really well this season, but they're unable to close the gap as they have been in most of their losses this season and the losses that they've played to Liberty. An 82 to 86 loss. Our play of the game guard, Jewel Lloyd, 32 points, four rebounds, five assists, two steals, and one block for the Gold Mamba in this loss, unfortunately. So at this current point in time, the Storm losing streak had gotten to 10. Uh, it's the longest losing streak in franchise history. Like, well, shoot, what are we going to do here? Because as I mentioned last week, You know, the storm would plug one hole and then another one would spring open. And it's like, well, what are we going to do? You have to put together a complete effort. It is possible with this team. They are a ragtag group of players, whether it's veterans from around the league or younger players, you know, learning had been tough for them to apply to these games. And they were able to do that though immediately after to snap the 10-game losing streak, uh, they stop it at 10. They beat the Chicago Sky on the road uh, just a week after they had lost to them at home in ugly fashion. Seattle wins that one on July 28th, 82-74. to Our play of the game center, Ezzy Magbegor, The Australian puts up a double-double, 12 points, two rebounds, two assists, two steals, and two blocks. Ezzie all over the stat sheet there in a big way. Honorable mention Gabby Williams. We'll get to Gabby here in a minute. So Seattle wins the second game of their road trip. They close it out successfully. So a happy plane ride home. They beat the Indiana Fever on July 30th, 85 to 62. Our play of the game guard, Jewel Lloyd. Once again, the gold Mamba shows out 26 points, four rebounds, eight assists, uh, which is a season high for Jewel. Two steals as well. So I mentioned we'd get to Gabby. We do here. our player of the week. I went with Gabby. uh Excuse me, because these last two games here, you notice it wasn't, you know, her stats for the last three, because that game against the Liberty a tough shooting game Uh, gabby in her past two games in that sky win a 17.6 rebound four assists one steal one block performance and then in that win over the fever 14 points two rebounds four assists and three steals three steals big there obviously we know gabby for her defense but as i've talked about before whether it's this past season uh when she joined the storm initially as they tried to give sue bird a fifth title to end her career on or this year when it was announced that she finally signed after there was all that back and forth. Gabby finding her offense is key to her really blossoming as a star player. We know how good defensively she is. She distributes the ball well. But when she finds her shot, it makes her really dangerous. It makes her a really key part of this Storm team. So, I mean... It's not, there's not too much to go into in those storm wins. I mean, they played complete games. They're getting good performances off the bench. Seattle's bench is second in the WNBA in terms of their points scored. You know, that well, the interesting note is uh, that they've moved Sammy Whitcomb into the starting point guard position for these three games. Now, you know, this was talked about in the offseason when the team brought Sammy back to the franchise after she spent some time with the Liberty there. Um, Sammy's not the greatest passer in the world per se, but her scoring ability, her, you know, her three points, obviously big kind of opens things up for this offense more because it brings another threat on the floor uh, for the storm. Dulce Fanka Menjiado is a great rebounder, great inside, uh, but her shot, of, you know, she, she's limited to the paint, really. And, you know, we look across the starting five, you know, we go from... Dulce, we already talked about her. ezzy can shoot the three ball. She's your second score. We know that. Okay, so there's two scores with Jewel Lloyd. Gabby Williams, until she really hits her shots, teams aren't going to respect it enough. She hit her, her shots in the last two game. But, you know, we'll continue we'll imagine as if though she's not. So there's two scores still adding Sammy on the floor really opens up another option, not only giving jewel more room, but also, you know, the danger in what Sammy brings as well. So it's great to see that Jordan Horson missed that game against the Liberty with a shoulder. I know due to personal reasons, my apologies. Um, but she was back. She had a great game against the fever there off the bench, I uh, believe she had 17 points there. So you're seeing a more complete game in, and then Chicago game last week, at home against the Sky, the Storm out-rebounded massively. This time against the Sky it was the Storm who out-rebounded their opponent massively. So you'll see it throughout the course of this season. I, I would hope to not see another losing streak like this, but we're going to see ebbs and flows. We're going to see learning moments, uh, growing pains, all of that. Those are long-growing pain. It's painful. Um, but this is all building towards next season and future success. So that the Storm can learn from this, the young Storm players can learn from this, get this information and know how to apply it to different situations going forward. That's what we've talked about leading into the season and as the season has progressed. So. Didn't like seeing the uh, losing streak get that long, but good to see that they kind of put it together there and sort of the performances that they put together in the winds um, over the sky and over the fever there. So uh, the injury report, we'll get to it um, Against New York, as I mentioned, Jordan Horson was out due to personal reasons, but there was nothing else. And then in the wins over Chicago, and Indiana on the 28th and 30th, both of those were clean injury reports. So Seattle fully healthy. Uh, lately, they are a sixth win, 19 loss team. Uh, they're 12th in well. Eh, ah. Uh, their next game is Wednesday, August 2nd, versus the Dallas Wings. That's a 7.30 p.m. tip-off. That game you can watch on the CBS Sports Network if you're not joining us down at Climate Pledge Arena. Uh, and then the second game of this week, after coming back for one game, the Storm had back out on the road August 5th at the Phoenix Mercury. That's a 7 o'clock tip-off time down in Phoenix, Um, that game will be on prime video. If you're in the state of Washington, uh, and NBA net, NBA TV, uh, otherwise. So it's kind of all positive there with the storm and the way that they had won their last two games. We get over here to our sounders and, and not, not so positive, not so positive. Things started out well, uh, in the July 30th leagues cup matchup versus Monterey, uh, this was a do-or-die game for the Sounders in terms of Leagues Cup. But the, the circumstances that they would have needed for Seattle to advance were there were some other ones where other things would come into play. Otherwise, Seattle, the only clear and decisive way that the Sounders could have advanced uh, in Leagues Cup in this match against Monterey is they, if they had won four by a four-goal differential. And they didn't do that, uh, as you can see on your screen here, a 2-4 to four loss. Uh play of the game, uh play of the match, center attacking mid um, not team captain. We'll get into that in a second. Uh Nico Ladero. Nico, a 7.5 match rating, one goal, 79% passing, two shots, and the match opening goal in the second minute off of a free kick just outside of the box. We'll get into it here. Uh yeah. So leading into this match, you know, Seattle knew that they needed to to win arguably for nothing, uh, four goal differential regardless. Um you know the the last few trainings that they had leading into it, whether it be the ones at Starfire or the one at Lumen Field the day before this match, uh, had been high intensity, high energy. You know the per the players, uh, the vibe in the locker room was good, uh, and they knew what they needed to do to win. And it looked like that. They looked like they knew what they needed to do to win. As twenty five seconds in, uh, Hector Moreno for Monterrey. Uh, had a yellow card uh, as the Sounders were on the attack, giving them a free kick just outside of the 18-yard box. Nico Ladero hits a strike in the top-right corner. Um, Monterrey goalkeeper uh, Esteban Andrada didn't even move, uh, didn't leave his feet to try and make a save on that. So Seattle gets a goal two minutes in. They're thinking, "Whoa, oh, whoa, what a minute. What's going on here? What is the Sounders team learning how to score and doing so off of set pieces? Something that they've been bad at for the last few years uh, and then th- uh, ooh, four minutes later Jordan Morris scores off a Leo Chu cross into the ball Leo Chu takes advantage of some sloppy lazy passing in the back line by Monterey uh, and gets a ball into Jordan Morris who makes an uncovered run back post great header sends it down as Esteban Andrada goes up for a save as he expected a higher header uh, Seattle's up two nothing within six minutes you're like oh wait a minute they're gonna do it this is a you know fairy tale kind of thing that you know, Seattle one reignited themselves offensively. Uh, looked like the Sounders team that the MLS in general had come to loathe, uh, had been called insufferable, uh, and then they got a kick in the teeth, and then reality set in and monterey scored the next four goals in the 31st minute uh they got one off some nice combination play as monterey had room uh and got a rebounded shot after stephen cleveland we'll get into why stephen cleveland was in this match uh made the initial save but then the sanders back line allowed enough space and time for a rebounded shot so you're like oh shoot okay it's two to one still possible though 45th minute uh with two minutes into extra time uh, and Monterey gets a penalty, whether that was a penalty or not, doesn't matter. Uh, now at least, and you go into halftime two to two, like, oh shoot, where did all the momentum go? Life had been sucked out. It was a kind of a punch in the gut. And then three minutes after the halftime whistle, you know, okay, regroup, move forward. We can only do so much about the past now. Three minutes in, Monterey scores. <laughs> and it's then it's kind of like the wheels have fallen off. You know, we're on uh, the type, you know, it's no longer a speeding car uh, or speeding train. We're on the sort of Flintstones car where they're you know, running to power the thing. Um, so, yeah, Monterey scores four goals unanswered and Seattle gets bounced. And they now don't play a match until August 20th when they host Atlanta. It is uh, really frustrating. I mean, to see this sort of thing, Seattle has been really scuttling, you know, kind of stumbling forward since May uh, after they had vaulted themselves to the top of the Western Conference here in the MLS, and now they just kind of look like they're continuing to search for answers. They had that jolt um, in the first 10 minutes there. Uh, mm-hmm. After that six-minute goal, in the time after that leading into the Monterey goal in the 31st minute, <laughs> the Monterey really kind of settled in. They said, hey, we are got to wake up. You know, they're going to score these first few goals in the first, you know, 10 minutes. Um, So, yeah, there's a lot to think about here Uh, in our write-up. We talked about it. You know, what do you do in the short term and in the long term? Because in the long term, there's a lot of answers. I mean, a lot of questions that need to be answered Um, with a lot of contracts that expire at the end of this season, uh, some aging veterans uh, and where the club wants to go directionally. You know, with this, whether they want to tear things down and, and rebuild from here, considering you don't have a lot of players necessarily in your, uh, MLS next pro and just general youth prospects that can start, uh, immediately. And in the short term, you still have MLS playoffs to shoot for, you know, you still got the rest of the regular season to go. You are at fourth place in the Western conference. You can find a way to climb higher than that, but with the you've been playing, you arguably might slip even more. So. You know, it's, 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 it's like I said in the weeks, weeks past with the Mariners, for the Sounders, it's going to have to come internally. You know, there's nobody that they can bring in right now or call up, uh, come off the bench. That's going to really kind of give them a kickstart um, and really give them a burst of energy. You know, they've been generally strong defensively, not in last night's loss. Um, been generally strong defensively. It's just been their attack. And then their, their attack looked great in these first six minutes. What went wrong? I couldn't tell you. So, anywho, we get over to injury-related news here. On the 25th, goalkeeper Stefan Fry uh underwent a procedure to correct joint alignment in his finger. Fry began rehabilitation immediately following the procedure, and he's not expected to miss an extended period of time. So that was the reason uh why we saw Goalkeeper Stefan Cleveland in this match. I know that Monterrey scored the last four goals unanswered, but I wouldn't really put those on him. He didn't get a ton of help from his back line and his team in general. So uh yeah, as I mentioned, the next Sounders match is not until August 20th when the team hosts Atlanta here at Lumen Field. So we move over here to our OL well, Rain. We talk about a soccer club uh, that's actually doing anything. Um, Challenge Cup play. We get into Challenge Cup play as the Women's World Cup continues to push forward, uh, you know, the rain without a NWSO leading eight players that are currently at the World Cup. Um, They got the rain got back into action uh, with a Challenge Cup match against the San Diego Wave here on July 28th. They would win this one by a one to nothing result. Excuse me. Our player of the match uh, forward and team captain Bethany Balser, one goal, four shots, and one shot on target. In our photo of the match here, you can see Bethany celebrating her penalty kick goal. Uh, she was shadowboxing the corner flag here, which uh, kind of funny. Uh, so with that win, the rain clinch the Western Division of the Challenge Cup. It means that they've got an automatic berth into the semifinal round of the Challenge Cup. If you're unaware of what the Challenge Cup is, it's an in-season tournament in the NWSL It used to be leading into the NWSL regular season as if it was a preseason match. And it was kind of viewed like that for the longest period of time. Um, until recently, the prize pool money got a kick up. So now there's extra incentive to win these matches. Um, and with the depth that the rain have, even still the depth that they've had, they've got with the eight players lost to the World Cup. Um, they've been able to succeed. They haven't lost, knock on wood, uh, in this challenge cup yet through five matches. They got four wins, no losses, and one draw. Uh, so as I mentioned, they clinched the Western division there. They were without uh midfielder Jess Fishlock with a leg injury in this one and defender uh well defender Kellyanne livingstone was questionable with a leg injury but she was available for wow that was bad for selection um when the roster uh the starting 11 came out uh, and then defender lou barnes was not listed on the injury report but she was given the match off to sort of rest and give other players some minutes there in challenge cup play so it was really, uh, I know it was a one to nothing result, but the rain defense looked strong in this one. San Diego really didn't create too many dangerous possessions and opportunities in this match against goalkeeper Claudia Dickey in the back line of uh, Veronica Latsko, um, Sam Hyatt, Phoebe McLaren, and, and Shea Holmes, Um UW Husky Shea Holmes. Um, that back line looks strong, you know, the only really veteran in there, uh, that was consistently in that black line because Latsko was normally as a forward, but we've talked about it through the season, uh, Laura Harvey and the reign of Plater at outside back for opportunities like this with the world cup happening. Uh, that back line looks strong. Claudia Dickey looks strong when she needed to, um, and otherwise it was a pretty solid performance. I mean, could have generated more offensively certainly uh but the rain get that penalty kick late in that match balser wearing the captain's armband as lou barnes was out um taking the match off and getting some rest uh, wore it well i mean she stepped in um she took that penalty buried it top corner had the shadow boxing celebration so it was uh, it was a nice night for bethany we'll get into more bethany later um as we've got some team related news here on the 26th of July, the club exercised this option on Ford Veronica Latsko to keep her with the Reign through the 2024 season. Latsko had made 12 appearances in the 2023 regular season, earning seven starts just over halfway through the regular season. She is currently tied for her single season record in goals with four and assists with two in her 713 minutes played. Uh, The six-year forward has also started in all four of the Reigns Challenge Cup matches. This was before this San Diego one, helping the club remain undefeated through the tournament. The rain weren't done uh, with player contracts. As on the 28th, they exercised the option on defender Phoebe McLaren uh, to keep her with the rain through the 2024 season. After missing the first half of the season with a back injury, uh, McLaren made her return to the pitch on the 28th of June in the Challenge Cup match against the Portland Thorns, helping the club earn its fourth consecutive clean sheet in the competition. Following her return, the 25-year-old has started in both regular season games, recording seven clearances and six interceptions. In 2022, McLaren appeared in 10 regular season games with the Rain, starting in six of them. As part of that back line, she accumulated 13 clearances, 14 interceptions, and five blocks in 595 minutes of play, helping the team earn three clean sheets over that course of time. The defender also had two appearances for the Rain back in 2022 uh during the challenge cup telling five clearances two interceptions and 37 successful passes just really quickly to touch on those i mean lasco has been invaluable for this team in terms of what she brings as a veteran and her versatility across the pitch uh, and just kind of being willing to step in anywhere i mean she played as an outside back when she was, she's he's traditionally a forward i got another spam advertisement about a fake brand wanting to sponsor anyway um and then mclaren her only trouble is she makes a questionable tackle here and there. Otherwise, she's really solid defensively and is a big part of that depth. But just talking about it, talking about that depth there with the win over San Diego. I mean, look at Lasco and McLernan are great examples of that. You know, a veteran in Latsko coming in and, you know, can start up top and is valuable on the attack, but also helped and played on that back line in this game against San Diego. And then McLernan helping as a center back and really being rock solid to ensure that Claudia Dickey and Golden have to deal with much of anything. And again, is really strong defensively. Um, she's not better than a lot cook and Sam Hyatt when it's starting. So really solid there uh, and smart decisions, you know, understandable reasonable uh decision there to exercise those options for the next season so we look forward here with our reign they sit at a seven and five seven win five loss three draw record in the regular season for fourth in the league table 24 points as i mentioned in the challenge cup they clinch the western division so they're first in the west with 13 points looking ahead they play one more challenge cup match in the group stage that is next week august 6 versus the portland thorns here in Seattle, it's the first time that these teams have matched up since the double header uh, where the rain fell, unfortunately, uh, this past year, uh, this current season, pardon me, uh, with a 3 p.m. Pacific time kickoff that will be on Paramount Plus and TSN Plus uh, if you're Canadian. So to wrap up here with our Star of the Week, I said that we talk about Bethany a little bit later. She is my Seattle Star of the Week, uh, you know. Balser is in her fifth year in the end of with the club. She won the two thousand and nineteen rookie of the year. She has either been the sole leader in goals scored for this club in every season or tied for the league the team lead last year tied with Megan rapino uh, and it was really impressive to see how she conducted herself with that captain 's armband on that you see. She talked about how when she was worn I believe she had worn it one time before this. I think we talked about it in the post game press conference there after that match over the wave um but she said she wears it for lou barnes uh, she talked about her pride for this club and you know taking that into consideration and you know the growth that she's shown the vulnerability that she's shown uh her, her play on the pitch obviously speaks for itself as i talked about you know as as a goal scorer um but also if if you watch a rain match you'll <laughs> bethany balser kind of gets thrown around um uh, and not not because it's like easy but she kind of gets Take, she takes a physical toll in these matches, but she always gets back up and she continues the attack. And as, as I mentioned, the leading goal scorer for this club uh, every year that she's been with it, you know, in this league, in the NWSL. Um, so to see that, to see the way that she's conducted herself as the team's captain there in this match had me thinking, and we did a write-up on this, that, you know, once the OGs of Jess Fishlock, Megan Rapinoe, and Lou Barnes have hung their cleats up for good, Make a lot of sense if Bethany Balser wore the captain's armband. And, you know, if we were to have opinions, she'd have my vote. So that will wrap things up for the July 31st episode of CSS on Converge. You're good to see you, as always. Um, As we wrap up July, we continue through August here. The Seahawks will continue their training camp uh, ahead of what should be a big year. The Mariners, the trade deadline's tomorrow at 3 p.m. Pacific time. So make sure, of course, that we'll run the socials there. We don't have any Twitter problems this week. Thankfully, knock on wood. Um, you know the storm can hit their regular season currently in a two-game winning streak. The Sounders get a little bit of time off. Maybe they need it, considering the way that they've scuttled a bit in the regular season and then getting bounced quickly from the League's Cup. Uh, the rain will continue their regular season uh, as the World Cup continues to rage on. The Kraken are in the off season. Sea are in the off season. A bunch of off seasons. Anyway, until we see you next week, take care of yourselves. Be well and do whatever you can to make today a great day.